everybody, welcome to episode 142 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Pachuto. Hey, it's me again. I get to go first. Yeah, you get to go first again. And we also have Jimmy Dresden. Hey, guys. How are you? What's up, morning voice? A little deep, I'm sorry. Yeah, I went to sleep about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <clears throat> what were you doing until about 20 minutes ago? Trying to finish my vlog. I got it to a point where I got, like, tonight I could just, like, pull the trigger and finish it up. So I was working on the vlog and dilly-dallying, and all of a sudden I realized it's the 30th and I didn't pay one bill. So I wrote out about 15 checks last night. And uh, so I did that at like 3 in the morning. Went to the post office, dropped them off at 4 in the morning. Do you know the post office is closed at 4 in the morning? Did everybody know that? <laughs> Most things are closed at 4 in the morning. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that till I said, no, there's an outside Most- mailbox. Most people sleep at 4 in the morning, not, <laughs> not take their mail to the post office. Yeah. I just wanted to have a sexy voice for 9 a.m. <laughs> what have you been working on? Oh, well, uh, as you guys can see in social media, Kyle's here building this incredible Noah's Ark in the backyard. Yeah. And he kept telling me, he goes, dude, man, it's going to look like a church. It's going to look like a church, dude. It's going to be. It's gonna look like a church. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whatever. I like it. I like it. Okay. So it's the, the design of the building is inspired. Taylor and I... Taylor did a lot of the research, and we, we were inspired by a lot of these sort of Norwegian, uh, Scandinavian-looking buildings that have a, a bigger point. Some of them were even more pointy. We have an 812 pitch, which is a little bit severe for, for around these parts, but I think my house has a, a close to an 812 pitch. We don't know exactly what it is, so we wanted it to match my house, and we also wanted a second floor, so inside is going to have a big cathedral. Hmm. And uh, so by the time Kyle leaves this probably this week, he's been here for one week this morning. So in the last seven days, he's put up what you guys can see on Instagram. He's already started sheeting it. He's going to have the roof done. And he's going to have all the window holes framed out, but the sheeting will be over the windows because we're not going to do the windows until I make a deal. I got to figure out how to get the windows. And so the building will be enclosed with a roof on it, you know, proper roof that with a resistant roof. And it's pretty incredible to watch just, Kyle and Greg do the whole thing by themselves. It's insane. I mean, I haven't been watching like his story. I know it's there, but it's insane seeing the progress pictures and how big that thing is and only two people doing it. It's incredible. These guys are so, they're they're so used to doing this and they're so well skilled and so well experienced that each step, like, you know, you could stand there and off. The only thing you could just say is I'll pick up all the scraps that are in your path. Cause that's the only thing you can do for them. It's just like, make sure they don't trip over a chunk of wood. But as far as help, they, they have a method for moving plywood. They have a method for carrying the trusses and it's just two men. It's pretty incredible. A guy named Mark showed up this week to help. He's a, it, it's funny cause me, me and Kyle both have our Instagram friends and we had a meetup last night because a lot of people were asking to hang out with him. And he goes, he goes, ah, so many people want to meet me since I'm here in New York. And I said, well, let's just do a meetup at the shop. It's the first time I'd ever done one. I just put the address out there. And I only did it, I only announced on Instagram. So a lot of people are probably going to be mad that they missed it. But uh, a lot of people showed up. And we about maybe 40 people showed up. And it was really funny because as people come in, I'm like, are you here for me or are you here for Kyle? You got to like take the left or right. Because some people didn't even know who I was. And some people didn't know who he was. And so it was It was funny. We We had a really nice time. A lot of great people showed up. And a lot of laughs and we ended up we did it from two to six and the last person left it at almost midnight so whoa we just ended up hanging out and talking all day long and everybody brought food so we all got bloated on junk food it was it, we had a really good time and uh, it was just something it was just really unscheduled hey let's do a meetup we kind of thought of it on friday night 
and we did it Sunday, and it went really well. So I'll probably do more of those do as you, time goes on. Do you find yourself doing what I do? Is you just go out there and you just stand and stare at it for five minutes? <laughs> yeah. I stay, well, the, the the routine has been I wait. It's really windy today, and then I'm talking to you guys. So I get up. I take a shower, make a coffee, and then I just take the drone off. I just take the drone up in the air, and I just watch from the back porch, which is about 400 feet away from the building on the other side of a tree line. So every <laughs> How morning, lazy are you? <laughs> no, no, I go and get my morning footage while those guys are climbing all over the building. Oh, like, <laughs> I thought you were just like, I don't have to leave the porch. I can just look at it from here. <laughs> well, that's all well, that too, but no, no. It's like because I'm, I'm trying to get my morning footage with the sun kind of at the horizon. So I, I fly uh, the drone yeah. about 7.38 each morning. And Kyle, he's like, he looks, he points at it. And goes, hey, man, good morning. Kind of says good morning to me through the drone. So that's what I've been doing. It's, but right now, if I fly the drone, it'll just disappear. It is so windy out today. And I don't even know how those guys are handling sheets of plywood right now. Last mm. night, we had torrential rain. I know there's been a lot of damage on Long Island, I heard, from flooding. Mm. Unless I've never seen like streets flooding up here because my house is on a big hill and there's hills everywhere. There's some flood waters at some of like the, the valleys where the road kind of valleys down and goes back up, which is something I've never seen up here. So we had tor- torrential rains. It rained solid hard from noon until at least one o'clock in the morning last night. So for almost 12, 13 solid hours, it just rained as hard as you could imagine it raining and did not let up. And so that's that was why we had the meetup yesterday because it was called for rain. So they, those guys knew they weren't going to be working. So they're like, let's just do it. Mm. But <clears throat> it was a great time. And, and I just can't believe that this building has actually taken place. I talked about it for so long that even I was sick of hearing myself talk about it. And now, uh, now that it's begun, I have to keep working harder to pay for the floor, pay for the windows, pay for the siding, and pay for the big doors. And heating system so it's every phase is still yet to yet to be i know what i want but it hasn't been scheduled i'm gonna mm-hmm. pay for it as we go so a lot of work That's a lot awesome. of work a lot of work I'm to pay to, for it and a lot of work to do it i'm glad to see it finally happening for you though i think it's really awesome thank you yeah it's it's really is a dream come true i mean when kyle first put the i'm, I'm such a sucker you guys have been with me like five times when i cried in front of an audience because i'm happy and Oh, when he put the foundation down there a couple months ago, I walked in the back and I just started tearing up. And Aww. he gave me a big hug. Mm. He's like, "Man, I like seeing people's dreams come true, man. It's so nice." Such <laughs> a sweet guy. I, I saw your Instagram <laughs> photo and I was just like, I just smiled because I just felt mm. so good for you, and it was just like, "Oh, oh this thank is amazing. you, thank yeah. you, guys." Well, I mean, it's it's this community. Honestly, I know I'm going to get sappy. I'll probably cry right now, but it really is this community. It wouldn't happen without it. You know, I did that, that fundraiser a couple of years ago. I probably made about 25, 30 grand with that little doll thing. Hmm. And, you know, I kind of felt real responsible that I had to do, you know, that got me committed because now I, I sold them for that reason. And so I just kept having a hard time getting started because I was just afraid. I didn't want to have to borrow money. And so as of now, I still haven't borrowed any money, but I will probably eventually to finish it. So, hmm. you know, it's, it's this community. It's my Insta, it's my, uh, uh, Patreon and my YouTube and, you know, the support from everybody and, uh, and all the advertisers. I want to thank all the advertisers. I'm <laughs> kidding. Cause we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, didn't expect that. Hey, you <laughs> no, can just get I'm other joking. people to pay for it, right? Yeah. yeah. I should just get, a, you know what? Wait a minute. What you, did you say, Dave? Oh, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. We can just get other people to pay for the things that we want. That's a great. Huh. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Why have we never thought of that before? 
we're kidding around. That's a subject we're going to talk about later. But yeah. no, it's it's it really is amazing. And and I you know I've been chasing my tail for so long, just trying to get ahead of the curve. And you know, with this community and this YouTube and everything else, it's it's been I've been able to get a little bit out of the curve. And so that's how I, I have this building now. So is it going to be sectioned off? Are you going to have your space in there? Is uh, Taylor going to well, have her space or? Well, the downstairs, I, I, I envision this. Uh, if I can keep the space down the road, it's cheap enough. I might. I might keep it for one or two more years. Uh, but I see the downstairs being metalwork on one side, woodwork on the other. And the middle opened all the way from one door to the other. So there'll be like a center hallway right mm-hmm. down the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then upstairs will be a clean living. It'll be maybe digital fabrication, maybe sewing machines, leather work. That makes sense. And we... Yeah, so like if we do steel work downstairs, then Taylor's chairs will go upstairs to get leather work on them. And it's incredible that the upstairs, we made the, the walls at 20 feet high. So the peak is 34 feet. So the walls themselves, the long straight walls on either side of the building are exactly 20 feet high. So if I go up 14 feet, that gives me about, if I, let's say if I go up 14 feet, the floor will be about 18 inches thick. It gives me about five feet at the little wall on upstairs. So I'll have five feet, but the ceiling goes up like a cathedral. So the upstairs space is going to be really special with the, hmm. with the, with the cathedral ceiling. Hmm. Those scissor trusses are all designed for the snow load in my zone. So if there's a big snow, it's going to be able to handle it. And we're having a standing seam roof. It's going to be all black. Everybody's asking. It's going to be all black, black window frames. It's going to have, it's going to have a very nautical New England look once it's all done. Hmm. So we're real excited. It's going to be clapboard on the outside, long clapboard, like on my house. We didn't want to put up like a Morton metal building, which would have been a fraction of the price, but it just would have felt cold and impersonal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that Kyle's building it is, is a good story for me. I, I really, I really enjoy his company and I've learned so much from him. And I just, I, I used to look at his, I still do look at his Instagram posts and just get so inspired. And yeah, you look at, he's got, he's got the kind of Instagram, you look at it and you just dream. You're like, wow, one day I'll have a, airplane hangar building because <laughs> he builds these giant buildings like this building is a 40 foot free span he goes oh i built 100 foot wide free spans i don't know it like boggles my mind how you can have a building 100 feet wide with no posts in it i don't even understand yeah. how that's possible but he says it is just because of wow. the trusses that are engineered these days hmm. crazy so yeah awesome. it's it's been a crazy week it's you know definitely like a monumental week in my life so yeah thank you thank that's you for cool. watching Thank you for being a part of it. I'm going to cry now. I am moving into my new shop this week. Nice. Yeah. And so I saw that post where you said I should put carpet in mine. That was hilarious. <laughs> it's not a yeah. bad idea on the second floor, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the only thing left to do in my shop right now is the trim work. And the contractor didn't get that on the schedule. And so um, they're trying to fit it in. They're crazy busy. So they're waiting for a rain day where they get canceled somewhere else and they can come in and do the trim. But in the meantime, uh, today I'm going to start moving some tools in. I've got my sliding wall all working. So behind me, my backdrop is going to be these hollow core doors that there's six of them and they, they slide open to reveal a closet and that is working pretty pretty well uh my ceilings are not 20 feet high they're just over eight feet i ordered um 10 sheets of baltic birch plywood this past couple days so i could start building shop furniture and i can stand them upright 
and they, they they fit which is good i wanted higher ceilings but the cost would have almost doubled because it would have if they would have removed the joists that were there to run them higher it would uh the structure of the building wouldn't be as strong and they would have to do all these things and i was like i can i can live with eight foot ceilings because i had six foot ceilings at the old shop so Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I am I am super excited. I got a couple little small projects going on this week. I'm finishing up. Behind me is um that that wall is going to be a magnetic dry erase board and it's going to be framed and then I'm doing a little bathroom, men's bathroom organizer. So when you open up what is considered my drawer in the bathroom, I'm building this little organizer that that fits in there and then you can also take it out and you use it as a travel case oh nice and that's what's that's cool. going on over here yeah awesome well um i have been cold <laughs> it's actually cold here which is you're in kentucky now i'm not used to that i'm in kentucky yeah and the temperature just like i don't know if it's had a cold snap for you guys but it went from like 70s last week to 20s <laughs> it just dropped off and so we're all adjusting to that and trying to figure out how many new jackets and gloves we need to go buy and all that stuff. So, But it's been cool. Um, had some good friends here this past weekend, so we got to show them around town and see some of the colors and stuff, you know, all the fall colors that they don't get to see in Savannah and we haven't seen stuff. So it's been fun, but it's definitely an adjustment to make. Hmm. Cool thing is that my shop is in the basement, so the temperature doesn't change much down there, which is really nice. But... Um, what am I working on? I made a clock. You guys can see this. Well, in a second, but ooh, oh wow, that's my style. What a clock! Yeah, it's a mid-century modern uh, star sun. I don't know, starburst, sunburst. Yeah. Oh no! Now my camera's all messed up. Oh no! Um, yeah, and so we somebody gave a clock like that to my wife as a gift uh, a few years ago, and it's cheap. You know, and the the time that it was built, it was like, it's it looks like it's brass and walnut, but it's actually all just it's brass and aluminum that's wrapped in walnut paper, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So it's pretty old and kind of busted and loose. The clock part doesn't really work, so I recreated it from scratch, and so it was a really cool chance to to have like something to try to match. Like I I don't typically try to recreate things, and so if something looks different than I originally thought, you can't necessarily see that it's changed you know but when you have this thing that you're really trying to replicate you can see the differences really clearly and so that was kind of an interesting challenge i got to use the metal brake that i made a while back to fold the brass if anybody's listening and they see the video they'll see what i'm saying but each one of the star points is either brass or walnut so i got to fold the brass to make these star points and then i had to use uh interesting cutting to get the walnut into these compound angle cuts to make like spikes out of the walnut and then I get to use the lathe to turn the face and put a little rabbit on the back side of it and I made the hands for the clock from brass stock it was fun it's like a bunch of new stuff I hadn't done so I think it came out looking good awesome and then we're finishing up I just finished up another project that I can't really talk about on the show yet but in a few weeks I'll be able to talk about it um, it's a sponsored thing, but it's a really cool, really cool project, Ooh. and I can't wait to show it off. 
I think it's really cool because I've been building it. I'm not sure if anybody else is going to think it's cool, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> so, But, you know, it's kind of cool to be working on a couple of things and starting to get ahead. And uh, I've got a couple other small projects I'm going to try to do in the next week or so so that I can get some space, you know, in between things. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting out of the rut that I was in for a little while and that we talked about, which feels really nice uh, to be productive and... Oh, speaking of productive, there's a video I watched this morning that I thought I would share because I think it's just good. Hank Green, if you guys know Hank Green from uh, the Green Brothers, and you know he started VidCon and a bunch of other stuff. He does all sorts of stuff. But he put out a video uh, called His Secret to Productivity, and you should watch it. It's just a few minutes long. Oh, I saw it. That's a great video. It's fantastic, and it's really simple. I'll go ahead and spoil it in case you don't want to watch it. But basically, he just says, do 80% of the work and then stop. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, because... and and You just talked about you, a minute ago at the clock. Like, people don't know where what your, what's everyone's different version of finished, a yeah. version of perfection. Everybody's version of what's perfect is different. So if you're going to spend your life driving yourself crazy, yeah. trying to get perfect, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And he makes some really good points around that. Like, you know what all's involved in getting the perfect thing or getting to 100% and how it's kind of a moving target and depending on who's looking at it, there's a different expectation. And it was a lot of stuff that I've kind of thought about for a long time, but I've never really been able to say very well, put the thoughts together. And he did a really good job of just kind of, you know, saying it's only worth doing so much of the work to get perfect or to get as good as you want it. And then after that, it's like diminishing returns. So anyway, it's, four or five minutes totally worth watching so everybody should check that out um i think that's about what i've been up to the shop's coming along still making little improvements here and there adding some 220 lines uh for some new tools that are coming can i ask about About those new tools or are we going to keep that a secret because i got some new tools coming too no i'm going to keep mine a secret a little bit okay but, yeah, tell me about your new tools. What do you have coming? Well, I ordered a new planer. Uh, so mm. now that I have three 220 outlets, uh, I can I can get some bigger tools. And my thoughts with some of these tools is that I am trying to make things as fast as I can so I can get to that 80% and then move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. And a bigger planer is one of those things that will help speed up things. And I'm also getting a uh, a large drum sander. Which no, are you doing? Are you getting a larger surface planer? Yes, planer yeah. or, or edge uh, surface planer. Uh, oh, yeah. I I did some research and I it came down to I wanted something bigger, but didn't take up a whole lot of space. And Rikon makes this 15 inch planer. It uh, it's got a fairly small footprint and so i went with that one i'm also getting a bigger drum sander i use my my little drum sander all the time but i don't always show it in the videos because it's always it's not a necessary part it's like you know i'm sanding here so i'm going to use this machine to speed up my sanding process but it only has a 11 inch wide sanding surface and so i'm getting a big 18 inch one that I probably still won't show much in the videos because it's just sanding and you know how sanding works. Mm. Um, but having those two tools will speed things up, uh, remove, remove some steps. And then 
Not just yet, but um, maybe in a few weeks, I will get a 17-inch bandsaw. So I can have two bandsaws for resawing and and curve cuts. And that'll save me time with with changing blades. And so... Do you have a specific specific bandsaw you're looking at? Yeah, it's a Grizzly. I'm looking at a Grizzly. Nice. Yeah, the, um, the Grizzlies, they... People have good things. I have a. I currently have a Grizzly, the 14 inch. Nothing wrong with it. Works fantastic. Works great. And everybody else seems to have the same consensus about Grizzly, and they're better priced than a lot of other tools. And so yeah. I'm going with. I'm going with that. Yeah. Every Grizzly tool I have, I really like. Um, I've, I've not had any trouble with any of their stuff. And even recently, when I have been looking for. Uh, different tools in like I, I go I in my mind I think well if I go with Grizzly it's going to be more expensive than what I might find otherwise and then I go look at it and I'm like oh mm-hmm. huh it's actually not <laughs> it's actually cheaper that's mm-hmm. and it's like cast iron and you know yeah I've been happy with their stuff um I had a question oh you want to sell me your your drum sander uh possibly possibly yeah <laughs> okay because I've been wanting one for a long time. So but. my my here here is my thought is I'm going to have this bigger drum sander and it's going to have usually a, a somewhat aggressive sandpaper on there, maybe like uh, a like a like a 120 or something, just so I can smooth things out, get things to a, a certain thickness. And I thought about maybe keeping the little one with a finer grit um, for maybe some finished sanding on there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to have a space to put it. If I don't have a space so, to put it, it's all yours. <laughs> that's an interesting question. This is we're we're not even to our topic, but and this isn't a this isn't like a pushback question for you. But I know in the past you've gotten rid of a bunch of tools to save space and because there were things that you didn't really need. Mm-hmm. And so now it sounds like you're bringing on double tools to make things faster. Yeah. Like what made the shift? Is it just space? It's, is that what I have I have more space and I also have the electricity now to do some of these things. I'm st- oh, still okay. not plan I'm still not going to get a joiner, at least not anytime soon. And I'm going to use a planer and a planer sled and the table saw to do to do my jointing because I think I can still get by without one. If it I need to I need to get some of these tools into the shop and figure out where they're going to live to see how much room is actually going to be left because now that I have a bigger shop I, I feel like I'm in a goldfish that's just moving to a bigger tank and I'm just going to get bigger and fill that tank and I yeah it still needs to be comfortable it you need to have room to be productive so I'm not you know yeah. trying to tetris myself into situations yeah, I, that was one thing I decided when we moved, before we moved, that I was going to try really hard not to just fill up the space. Like, the reason I wanted a bigger shop is so that I can have empty space. So, even though it's tempting to be like, oh, I could have every tool in the world now. You know, I can have 25 bandsaws, like Jimmy. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to do my best not to do that. And I was, I was, I was, wow, I stumbled over my tongue. Last night, I was actually standing in the shop. In the big, I have a big kind of open area in the center, and I was looking at that space, thinking, "This open, uninterrupted area that I'm standing in right now is bigger than my old shop was." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa! It's yeah, I, get, I have a lot. Right. I have a lot of that from time to time. Like, yeah, this whole area right here that I'm not using for anything it was my old shop. I get <laughs> yeah. exactly the same. It's it's bizarre. I mean, 
And I say that not to brag, but to, to just like, it's really cool to be reminded, you know, like what I have now and like mm-hmm. where, where it came from. And, you know, I'm just, I'm blessed about it, but, um, I had another thing. Oh yeah. Well, so this is another switching gears. Um, but I haven't mentioned this. I've told you two about it, but um, I have a full-time employee now. Yes. Oh, wow. How's it working out? It's working out awesome. So anybody that is around the community, the making community, YouTube, whatever, uh, you may know Josh Price. Josh uh, runs a channel called the PI Workshop, and he he's kind of known for around the circles for he and his family live in an RV, and they travel around, and they've made a bunch of uh, interesting trips and taking their kids to different places and stuff. And they came through here a few weeks ago and I've talked about him being around over the past few shows, but he's actually coming on full time uh, to help out, to help in the shop, to like run a bunch of stuff for me. He's running some camera, which is really cool. We're, we're learning that together. Um, and he's just helping me build stuff and taking care of shipping orders and, you know, setting up website posts. And it's just a, bunch of stuff uh but it's been awesome so far and i'm really glad to have him around so yeah, but it's, it's a big change for me to have like somebody here all the time in a yeah. good way yeah yeah is that helping you get out of your funk i think so yeah I, th- I think being forced to like talk out loud rather than just internalize stuff i think that's had a lot to do with it um having somebody else's ideas around and somebody to actually take care of a bunch of the stuff that was uh, not a big enough priority for me to do, but it was adding like mental weight, Mm. you know, like after moving, there's just piles of boxes everywhere. There's boxes that are not quite important enough to spend time going through, but they they're still in the way or they're still, you know, whatever. And, you know, he's here to, to help me do stuff. So he's like, just tell me what you need done. And I'm like, those boxes need to be gone through and then organized and put in the shop where they would be useful. And then I come back in 30 minutes and they're cleaned up. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's really awesome. So stuff like that has been really helpful. Um, I know a lot of stuff is getting done, even though I'm not necessarily the one who's doing it all. And that's that's really awesome. So we're doing like a you know trial run contract basis uh, to make sure that it works for his family, make sure that it works for me. But it's been really cool and I don't see why it wouldn't work you know, going forward. So, but it's a big change for I like to make stuff to not just be me and my editor friend who does work, you know, uh, here and there. Like he he edits one day a week. And he does design stuff as I need him to. But to have somebody in here nine to five, uh, you know, that's willing to help out with whatever is really cool. Hmm. So, congrats! Pretty awesome. Thanks. Um, one more thing I wanted to throw out before we like actually talk about. <laughs> something <laughs> is uh workbench con and this is kind of a plug but yes. uh jimmy you're going to workbench con david are you going no no when is it workbench con it's in atlanta i don't know it's february in atlanta in february. february yeah that's that's right um i don't know the dates off the top of my head i can just look it up i guess but basically it's a a new conference for um content creators kind of mm-hmm. and, and like DIY influencers kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's February 22nd through the 24th in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and it's a new conference, but the people that are putting it together have done uh, Haven con 
Haven conference, whatever, in the past, and that's been really successful. And so this one is geared more towards uh, video and more towards makers, uh, whereas the other one's a little more... I've never been to the other one, but I think it's more focused on, like, bloggers specifically and just a different type of content. So, uh, WorkbenchCon, I just, the reason I'm bringing this up is because they're about to raise the prices. And so it's kind of an expensive thing to go to, but if this is, if making videos and making content is something that you're actually interested in doing as a career or as a pretty serious hobby, I think it would be beneficial to come to this. Um, so the prices are going to go up on the 10th of November to 319 for the ticket. So uh, I'm not sure what the price is now, but I know it's a lot less than that. And I think it's going to be cool because Jimmy and I are going to be there. Ben mm-hmm. from Homemade Modern, Evan and Caitlin, Brad from Fix This, Build That, uh, Johnny Brook, April Wilkerson, Chris from Four Eyes, Mike from Modern Builds, John Malecki, uh, a bunch of other people as well. But those people are all speakers and we're talking on different topics. And so there's going to be like talks that you go in and sit in. And um, we agreed to do this like 16 years ago. So now that it's finally coming to pass, yeah. it's like I got, I got to keep remembering what it is. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And I think they're building out the kind of content schedule and stuff. Yeah. My uh, talk is going to be about, they originally wanted it to be about podcasts and I kind of expanded it out. So it's like, ancillary content. So if your goal is making videos, I'm going to talk about how doing other stuff can help make your videos better. So podcasts being part of that, but you know, speaking events and um, live streams and books and my all talk, these different things. My talk's going to be a lot about um, getting back up, getting back up, restarting every time you have a failure or rejection. Because hmm. I've gone through a lot of that. So I'm going to talk uh, about just Keeping keeping your eyes on the prize and not getting wrapped up in failure. Both nice. good talks, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a really cool event, and and there's going to be a bunch of like hangout time that they have scheduled where everybody can just get together and you know get to know each other and stuff, along with the actual talks. So you should definitely go check it out. We all have a code that's not a discount code, as I understand it, but it like guarantees you a spot in the talk. So if you use the code Bob. When you check out, it will guarantee you a place in one of my talks for one of the two days. I assume, Jimmy, yours is probably Jimmy. Oh, Maybe I don't Starasta. know. I, gotta, I, gotta <laughs> I, don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, go check it out, workbenchcon.com, and I'll link to it so that we uh, you know, can get people there. I think it's going to be cool. Hmm. So... Now that we're 31 minutes in. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'd like to thank our yes. Patreon supporters. <laughs> I just uh, I just thought of something talk- before we hop into that. We all have okay. uh, assistants that, that help us out. Jimmy seems to be yeah. rotating. But maybe someday uh, we have six of us on the podcast. We sit down <laughs> with our... Oh, that's with, funny. Yeah. And we can, we can talk about... Uh, um, I'm going to have to keep a shock collar on Brett. So when he starts talking, I'm just going to push the button. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about. Don't tell anything. Don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how do we get sponsors? 
Oh yeah, uh, that's the conversation. That's we're the about. conversation. <laughs> How do we get sponsors? Well, don't you just ask? Don't you just yeah, ask? You, you just tell people you want them to pay for your buildings, and then they do it, right? And that one <laughs> yeah. works, Jimmy. Yeah, this conversation started because just before we started the podcast today, we began. A lot of people are saying to me this week, "Why don't you get so and so to pay for your building? Why don't you get GM to pay for your building? Why don't you get DeWalt to pay for your building?" And people with smaller channels and a little less experience in obtaining advertisers. Maybe, maybe people that don't do this at all think it's fairly simple and it's not you, 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 we've been all working at this for so long. I, I've been doing this since 2011 and I didn't even consider advertisers until like 2014, 2015. I mean, I dabbled a little bit here and there when people came to me, but when it comes to advertisers, you got to just sit back and wait. You could kind of push the river a little bit, but you don't expect results. So that's what this conversation's about. We're going to each talk a little bit about our experiences with trying to get advertisers. And it's basically a fishing game. You're sitting on the edge of a boat in a lake and you're just waiting because, you, and the bait is your content. You got to make cool content. You know, you might tickle the feet of an advertiser by using some of their equipment or you might get lucky enough for them to just knock on your door and say, hey, we see that you're using our model so-and-so 52. Would you like the model of so-and-so 55? We'll send it to you if you want to talk about it. So uh, if you've been a fan of this podcast from the beginning, you know that we've all kind of grown up in these last three years doing this and how difficult the game it is and how it's like a house of cards, you know. We're all hoping to get money, but you can't just go knock on doors. It's not that easy. And uh, so the reason I, I bring it up is a lot of people say, why don't you just get so-and-so to pay for your building or get so-and-so to sponsor it? Even when we did the Axe class, uh, Taylor suggested that we go get Filson to sponsor the Axe class. And they immediately wrote back saying, what do you want, money? <laughs> I was like, I, I, yeah. well, that would be nice. But I was like, maybe you want to go send over hats and shirts. And just because I was kind of put on the spot, they're like, well, we don't really don't have any money for that kind of thing. And I expected the answer, but I figured I'd just ask at the very least. But, you know, it's an eye-opening experience when you, you, you say, hey, do you want to pay for the thing I want to do? And they go, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you have to say, well, because there's going to be a lot of Instagram pictures happening and and people like me. They like the things I do. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> You know, it's it's an odd that's, thing, and that's an awkward position to try to give yourself value. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that uh, you know knock on doors because I think that's one maybe misconception that people have is that like the three of us or anybody like us has some secret door that we can knock on, and on the other side of that door is the person who makes decisions for Company X. Yeah. And they're waiting there with like a pile of money, just waiting on the person to ask. But that's, in reality, that's like looking for a needle in a haystack. That's the, that's another yeah. big thing. Finding I mean, that person. Not, yeah. Finding that person and the probability of that person actually having money that they're allowed to give, even if they want to, it's not even necessarily about that. It's, you know, there's big companies, there's budgets, there's overlap in departments and who can spend what money and they have to approve it with everybody above them or everybody to the side of them or whatever. And if you can even get to that person, but there's layers of people within a company. And then usually like say a lot of tool companies specifically, they have at least one marketing agency in front of them. 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the bigger companies have a company that's in between. Yeah. And then a lot of YouTubers, like, for instance, like Kyle and I are sharing our experiences. Like, oh, do you know Jane Doe? And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. He goes, oh, Jane Doe gives me stuff all the time. And I'm like, well, I work with Company X, but I don't know Jane Doe or Jane 3 or 5 or 6. I work with this advertising agency. And he'll go, oh, I never even heard of them. So, yeah. like, everybody has a different experience with these bigger brands because it, the inroads are, are different for almost everybody. I mean, sometimes there's only one point person at a smaller company and like we've all talked to the owner of company X. Everybody knows who that is. You know, sometimes it's a giant corporation where there's a marketing company, marketing people at the company that's hired and marketing people at the company itself. And it's hard to figure out who, who's the one you got to focus on if you can even get in to talk to any of them. And even in the marketing side of it, so get past the company, you have a marketing agency. That marketing agency isn't necessarily the one who's buying advertising. They may have another agency, they may be running the creative or like the campaign, and then they go to digital marketing agency A and say, you go find a set of influencers for us to use. And then those are the people that may reach out to YouTubers or Instagram people or whatever. So, you know, at that point, you're three levels away from anybody who can actually approve things. Yep. And then like in my case, um, I have an agent that I work with that handles all of that stuff for me. And that put that puts me personally four levels away from that person. Yep. Granted, you know, he's working on my behalf, so it's not like I'm... And I'm, Bob Bob and I have the same agency with different agents in the same agency. Yeah. So I have the smallest channel, so maybe some people can relate to, to me a little bit more. And I don't have an agent. And when somebody asks, how do I get sponsors... I, I respond with just you have to make noise first of all. You have to get mm-hmm. noticed. Don't, I've yeah. never gotten a single sponsored video by me sending a cold call email. They've all come to me, and so just make some noise, make really good content, and you're going to get noticed. And then what happens in my case is, uh, let's say an agent emails me. And they represent this this company, and I I overperform. I, I I give them what they want plus more. That agent also represents other companies that I uh, they will come back and say, hey, oh by the way, we have this other client that we would like you to work with, and and it's <clears throat> and it's one of those things where um, if. It has to work for both parties. They're not just going to give you a bunch of money and then you just show off their their logo. You, I, I, in my case, I'm trying to get repeat videos from from yeah. that same company, and so I do try to creatively get those brands into the video without being too much of a disruption. Um, but it's but I also want to have people's eyes on what they're trying to sell or their campaign. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I just had a negotiation with somebody and I haven't gotten a contract yet, so it's probably not going to happen ultimately, but the TV show, me going away for a month, kind of interrupted the whole conversation. But I was arguing with the company through my agent. They wanted me to do a five-minute spot for a, a number of money. And I said, five minutes is, is a living hell. Even if it was a five-minute video beginning to end about your product, I said, that's a living hell. Nobody will watch it. And they said, well, what do you... I go, I'll do two minutes at the most, a minute and a half to two minutes. And I'll incorporate it in a vlog. And it's like, no way. I'm like, well, do you want impressions? Because people will watch it through my vlog. I think they will. Even if it's quick and it's fast 
and then they wanted less money for more for less time. They wanted to pay me less for less time. I was like, it doesn't work like that. I said, you're going to get more impressions if it's shorter, quicker, and I'm more mm-hmm. and I'm more uh, kind to my audience and not jam an advertisement down their throat for five full minutes. So to me, that's worth more. And I was able to negotiate them to pay me the same for two minutes. They all associate time with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I remember having this conversation with a guy a couple of years ago, and I was like, well, I'll do this. He's like, well, that's only worth this much to me. And, I'll do, and I said, you know what? I don't even want to work with the guy. I was talking through my agent. My agent got mad because I just said, tell the guy, I don't care how much he wants to spend. I don't want to work with him. But and that's a different subject for a different day. But the idea is uh, when we do have opportunities to do an advertisement, we got to kind of gauge and see how annoying it's going to be. So sometimes you, 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 you want it, you want it, then all of a sudden you have it and you're like, oh, wait, I'm not going to do a five-minute ad for this product. I don't want to do that. I'm going to alienate everybody. People get yeah. upset with me. So it, it's a balancing act. But going to your point, Dave, about um, doing cold calls, there have been several times in my life, like I never had an agent until recently, but I've had several TV shows and I remember writing a letter to William Morris. I actually had a television show. It was a show I did on DIY called Against the Grain, which was a horrible show. And... I had that show and we were shooting episode one or two in like those f- first couple of weeks. And I wrote William Morris. I said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a DIY television host and I have the show. And, and they wrote me back and they said, thank you, but we're not interested. But they took the time to write me back. Now, I actually wrote a letter and mailed them a letter. Hmm. I Googled to find out who the contact person was. Um, and the way I got the agent I have now, he came to me. He was paying attention to me. He kind of knew me. We've talked over the years and, one day he noticed my YouTube channel was doing well. And he's like, hey, you know, we do YouTube people now. I was like, sure, let's take a swing at this. That was a year and a half ago. And around the same time, you got your your same agent from the company, Bob. You got yours like the same time I did somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, But these people will reach out to you. If you're going to – the other thing too is if you if they reach out to you – I had this argument with my dad. My dad always goes to the Long Island Woodworking Show and meets the guy from Festool and – Brags and begs and gets his number and says, call the guy. He says, I go, Dad, he's just a regional salesman. It's nothing to do with YouTube. And if they come to me, then I have an upper hand. If I yeah. go to them, mm-hmm. they're going to say, like, what do you want? A free tool? And you can do a video for a free tool. But if they come to me, that means somebody's already sought us out, has an idea, has a thought process, says, we, this guy's perfect for this opportunity to advertise this new thing. How much do we want to call him with before we even do anything? And so that's why when you guys try and cold call, it depends on what you're cold calling. If you're cold mm-hmm. calling a product, you're probably just going to get a, oh, yeah, here's a free one. But if they call you, they're calling you with a budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of, the, one of the tricks that I do is when I – well, first of all, how do they get the email? And that I'm assuming they get it from the About page on your YouTube channel. And make sure you have, for business inquiries, use this email. Uh, when I do get the email, I don't reply back right away because I – want to reply back with here's my thought on how to use that product in a video i always reply back with an idea and if you're yeah, good idea if your idea is something that they can't refuse then all of a sudden you have the upper hand because they contacted you first you have this brilliant idea and now they respect you because you they want to see their their product used in this way, and then you can begin the the horrible process of price and time negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the negotiation stuff is is pretty awful if you've not done it. <clears throat> and um, there's a few parts to that. One is the price, but then also is 
like Jimmy was saying about the time, what they expect to get for the money is usually a little bit out of whack for what is kind of becoming common for what we do. And I think that's a lot of holdover from TV. You were saying like time is money. Like they think if they pay for this much time or they think they're paying for this much time from right. a TV perspective, that makes sense. You pay for a 30 second commercial or a 15 second commercial and it costs whatever, but it's just not the same. I mean, like it's, it doesn't cost us anything really more production wise to make a 15 or a 30 second video. When TV it does, because you're paying whatever, 50 people, you know, salary and studios and all this different stuff. So it just doesn't apply. Um, but you have to negotiate through all those things. You have to negotiate uh, what you're actually going to cover, how long it's going to potentially take. Because if you don't clear that stuff up ahead of time, then it will end up being bad in the end. Um, I think you also should negotiate how many rounds of revision the client gets, the sponsor gets. And this yeah. is huge. And a lot of people I talk to who are getting started doing sponsorship, they don't think about that. But if you say in your negotiation that they can approve three times or like three rounds of approval, that means that you're going to have to make a spot, show it to them, they give you feedback, and you make it again three times. Right. <laughs> and that, think about how much, you know, that money you're getting for that spot and then divide it by three because that's what's going to happen because hmm. you're, you're, you're going to have to remake it. So, you know, that's a point of negotiation for us. And we almost always try to get one round of revision. So I know that they get to see what I did. And, and there's also a conversation ahead of time and say, I'm going to make it this way. I'm going to say these things. I'm going to cover whatever. Okay. We've, we're clear that up on paper. Now I'm going to make it. You get to look at it one time and tell me what you want changed. Mm -hmm. And then I make it. And that's yeah. it, you know, because if you let that go on and on, whatever money you're making will be eaten up with the time that you're spending remaking and remaking. But all and that it, happens in the negotiation. It has yeah. to. Otherwise, it will be taken advantage of from the creator side or the sponsor side down the road if it's not defined in the contract at the beginning. And, and I think we should all make it clear. It's unless you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers, all you're going to get for a spot is free tools. Or start out at about $1,500 for a spot. I mean, if you have a couple of hundred thousand subscribers. I see guys that have 10,000 subscribers or 4,000 subscribers or 5,000 subscribers, and they think, how much should I be charging? Around, if, if they knock on your door and offer you free tools, that's pretty much all you can charge. I mean, you guys dispute that? Well, I, I think everything is different. Everything is different, but I mean, you're not going to make tens of thousands of dollars per spot if you have 10 or 12,000 subscribers. I remember the first time I met Steve Ramsey and he told me something that kind of changed my, my thought process of um, don't work for free tools. You're trying to do this for a living, get money out of it. And your level of engagement with your audience, whether it's a thousand people watching or a hundred thousand people watching can determine how much you, you, you can charge. I mean, if you, if, if if you get a thousand people to go and buy a product or sign up for a service to do the free trial, that's a lot of people, and uh, they are the brand is is definitely getting or potentially getting their their money's worth. And so, I don't work for free tools. I need free tools and money. And I started doing this full time when I was only at twenty five thousand subscribers. 
and I was getting money from sponsors at that time and 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 I had other means of of income so not all of it was all YouTube based well and another thing around that same topic is that it's really easy to use subscribers as this benchmark that we mm. talk about um, but that means nothing especially to it is it well and say it means it nothing. means it means it, a lot to them because that's the that's it, the that's the window dressing that they look at and go oh well it depends on who you talk to because it is a, a thing that catches their eye so if right. you see that number if you see a big number there then they think oh this person must have some sort of a following some sort of an audience that we can take advantage of that's the way they look at it but the thing that is going to matter when it comes to performing and giving them what they're expecting to get for their money that's views and so if you have ten thousand subscribers. And you have ten thousand views on every video that you put up. That That's is gigantic. That's that like Casey huge. gets tremendous engagement. Trait. Casey needs that. Like his video, yeah. he has millions of subscribers, but he gets millions of views per video. Yeah, and 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 that is something that just about any advertiser would jump at. And so that goes back to what David's saying. Like engagement is the thing, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I've got this number of subscribers. Uh, that's not the thing that's going to perform. It may be the hook. It may be the thing that gets them to pay attention to you, but it's not going to be the thing that's going to turn around and give them a thousand sales or a thousand whatevers. Mm -hmm. So when I look at my stuff, my videos, uh, based on my subscriber count to my per uh, video view, it ha it fluctuates in between 10 and 20%. <clears throat> so if you think about, I have 1.4 million subscribers right now. In my videos, and it's you know it's different for every video, but in a an average, they get from one hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand views. So if you think you know that number is significantly lower than the total subscriber count, so I can't go to a subscribe a, a sponsor and say, "Yeah, man, I get like a hundred, you know, one point four million views on a video." No, right. I, don't. I get ten percent <laughs> right. of that. Right. And so you have they to usually be want to know about, too what you get in the first twenty four hours. They want to know like what is your average in the first twenty four hours views. Twenty four yeah, hours. That is the days. most engagement. Yeah. yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Yeah. There's different ranges uh, as to what they care about because there's a you know pretty significant fall off after that. But so I am on a website called Social Blue Book, and if you're not familiar with it, it's a great website to kind of see what you're worth, and it gives you a starting point. And so I'm logged into Social Blue Book, and I connect my YouTube channel to it, and it sees that I have 327,000 subscribers. My average view per video is 60,338, and I'm assuming that's an average view after 30 days of launch. And what it does is I can choose what type of sponsored content I'm going to do. If I'm doing a dedicated upload, it's saying I should charge $6,000. If I do a shout out, which is usually like a 30 second to 60 second ad, it's saying I should charge $2,100. And it gives me a range, a low of 983 to a high of 328. And uh, it's a great place to get a starting point. And I say starting point because don't use those as absolute terms because a lot of times when I am in the negotiation process and I have my price and I say, this is what I want for a 45-second mention, they're like, mm, well, that's a little bit out of our budget. I can then say, okay, I have 51000 uh, Instagram followers. What if I throw in an Instagram post too? And and so then I have these other tools that I can kind of throw in to try to keep my number 
uh, where I want it to be. Or mm-hmm. I can, or if they don't have the budget, I can say, you know what? Okay, we won't. We'll just do a, a quick fifteen second. We'll show the product on screen. We'll have a link down below. We can do it at the lower price, and maybe you know. So there's there's different negotiation terms that you can use in your videos. Yeah, for sure. Um, we do a lot of that, and especially if you're. I don't as often get companies who want to do like a, a range of videos. They usually just want to do a single video and then like some social stuff around it. And that's, you can, you can negotiate all of those extra little things. Sometimes it turns out that, um, if they're wanting to do like six videos throughout a year, then the price of those individuals videos can drop some because in my mind, at least I have a guaranteed income of, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's 75% of what I would have gotten anyway, but it's guaranteed over the course of a year. So I can budget the rest of my year. No, when you have a, a, a little bit based on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there are a lot of things that you like that, that depending on the scope and depending on like how committed the brand wants to be to you long-term, you can also, you know, kind of negotiate those things down a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I like, about- I like doing the series like that. For me, it's a comfortable thing right now. My, my, Two, I have two more videos in my Rocco series to do that I'm committed to. And it's been a great series for me. I really liked working for them. What about negative? I know we have negative experiences, and I don't want to talk specifically about any brands. I think that's counterproductive. But has there been any negative situation with you guys where, like, after the fact you go, I'm never going to make that particular decision again, or I'm never going to, like, let something go in that direction? You know, is there a warning that we can share Yeah, well, we've talked about it, but specifically doing a dedicated video for somebody and being overly shout-outy. It's, you know, I try and do it subtly. Well, let me me back up a little bit. There there was a time when I had a small channel and I didn't have as much creative control. When someone came to me and they said, hey, do you want, I remember my first, my first video advertisement thing was Audible. And they gave me $3,500 for a thing. It's the the first thing I could vaguely remember. And I was like, oh, wow, it's exciting. But they gave me this whole script to read. And Welder and I would, I, Welder kept laughing. I was trying to nail this script and I just kept saying it wrong. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to say this at all. I want to give them the money back because I do not feel comfortable saying what they want me to say. And so from that moment on, anytime I had an advertising thing, I was like, well, is there a script? Do I have to read the script? I don't want to read the script because people mm-hmm. want to watch me make stuff. I could show you a product. I could do an on-screen overlay. I do not want to read a script. So from that point on, I lost a lot of advertising opportunities because people came to me and said, Oh, can you do this such and such? And and I, I did the audible thing and I got paid and they were happy with it, but I wasn't happy with having to read a script. What, that, that's my big thing. What I like to do is I like to say my audience reacts to this. Right. So exactly. I, I ask for bullet points and 99% of the time, the companies that I work with will say, talk to your audience the way they want to be talked to. Yeah. Yeah. They, Make, they say in, in your own voice in your own is voice. the way they yeah. often put yeah. it. Yeah. Which I but think when, is big for but sure. But when you, it's yeah. funny, it's hard to put in your own voice when you're like citing. <laughs> it is. It is. Price and points it's something you and, get better at. And, yeah. Well, and I think one way around that that I've found is to point out the fact, like I try to, I try to make it really obvious, this is an ad. The reason that I have advertisers and sponsors is because that's what pays for my life and right. so that I can make these videos of me making guitar stands and random junk. <laughs> so right. and the more you point that out, you know, it's like I think people are a little more forgiving with the fact that you're they're getting an ad 
if they know that it's actually making a difference in you being able to do what you do. And it's, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how to go about explaining that I do that, but I think just pointing out the fact that it helps. And and like Patreon is the same kind of way. I know we're not talking about Patreon and like user support, but when you actually can concretely say this income from this source helps me do this one thing better. I think people are like, Oh, okay, sure. Well, even if they don't like it, they get it more right. than just, here's an ad. I'm going to do these talking points. and I'm going to sound like a car salesman for a thing that you don't care about, blah, 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 blah. And then move on. They get kind of put off. But if you do that same spiel with a, you know, if you support audible or whoever the company is, then they can continue to support me. So if you want to help me in a roundabout way, go do your free thingy with this advertiser and, you know, it, it pays me. Um, I think people, if they support what you do, they're a little more receptive to that. I just yeah. I just watched a great video, um, a YouTuber, like a daily vlogger that I follow, Sean Duras. He posted his entire VidSummit talk, which is like 50 minutes long. And his entire talk, this is going to be my pick of the week, by the way. His entire talk is how to make the brand the hero in your video. If you do it in a right way, people won't complain they don't they won't have a reason to hmm. complain if you do it right and it's it's really good i would this wasn't going to be my pick but since we uh th- this came up I'm, I'm i'm calling an audible and using this calling video. an audible yeah <laughs> ah! <laughs> how much did you get not, for that not sponsored by audible <laughs> actually maybe david's sponsored by audible we're not but you know link in the description <laughs> <laughs> um we have any other sponsorship Tips, tricks, don'ts, do's. Hmm. I guess I never gave a bad example. Hmm. Um, so I have one. I Okay, here's a thing that I try to do every time. When a company comes and says, we have this product, we want you to make a video around this product, my first gut reaction is no way. Because for me, that's really hard to do in a way that makes sense, that's organic. Like, there have been a few, like I worked with Intel one time, and they came and said, we have an Arduino that has these certain features, and we want you to make a project with these certain features. That's like in my wheelhouse. That totally makes sense. I would have done that whether they had sponsored it or not, you know, if I'd gotten that board. That made a lot of sense. But in the past, one time, a uh, uh, insulation company came to me, and they said, we have insulation, we want you to make a project around insulation. And at the time, I was like, yeah, sure, it's money. Yeah, let's, let's go for it thinking that won't be that hard. But then when it came down to coming up with the idea, I'm like, how do I make a project with insulation? <laughs> and it was like in the middle of summer, you know, it's not like I could make a, a wall warmer. And so I had to force myself to come up with a project to use this material that I didn't really want to use. And I didn't, you know, and I came up with the thing and I made the video and I felt gross about it. And I guess it was useful, but it just wasn't something I would have done otherwise. And so yeah. ever since that one, my response has always been, I don't, n- that's not how I want to do this. If you want to sponsor a video, that means I'm going to take your ad and I'm going to make your ad and you get to approve just your ad. And then I'm going to put that ad over the top of something else that I'm already working on. Yeah. And I like when you started one, doing that. That's a great that's idea. That's just one of my conditions because they don't, they, I don't feel like a sponsor should have any creative control over anything about the video itself, unless they are paying me an exorbitant amount of money. It's a great, and people great, don't do that. Great, great, great point. I mean, and, that, and that's just like a personal, I decided 
what I do for the project is worth so much to me that I don't want to give that away for, you know, anything less than an exorbitant amount of money. And people don't want to pay that amount of money. So that's fine. This is a great podcast. I just got some great advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to feel good about what you put out. And that's, that's really, really good advice. You don't want it. You don't want it to feel dirty afterwards. Yeah. I, I just want to, want to clarify something. Yeah. I talked about me not wanting to read a script. When I got to do a five minute video and I got to talk about a script, that's the pain. That's where the pain and suffering comes in. But if I'm doing like a two minute shout out on a vlog, that's that's much easier for me. It's become much more natural for me to do a minute, minute and a half segment on something. But Bob, yeah. that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, sure. And, and I think it's really easy, especially if you're getting started. Well, two things that I think are really easy when you're getting started with sponsors to fall in the trap. We already talked about just taking free tools. I Everybody needs tools. I totally get it. But just think long-term about how that's going to affect the relationship you have with that sponsor and the way that that sponsor is going to view other creators. I think all of us try our best to lift up the entire community and, you know, like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And if you go into a major tool corporation and you say, I'll do tons of videos and all you have to do is give me free tools, then that's the way they're going to look at everybody else who does what we do. And that person's going to quickly realize they made a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. And in a year... When you go, when your channel is bigger or your, your platform is bigger or whatever, and you go back to that same company and be like, man, I love working with you. It's so awesome. How about we do some paid stuff? They're like, eh, well, we can give you some more tools. <laughs> I, think it, I think it works against you in the long run. And not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that at all, but like, just think about how that's going to affect your relationship with that sponsor and how they're going to look at everybody else in our thing, uh, whether that's a concern of yours or not. I don't know. It's different for everybody. Um, Free tools. What was the other thing? I interrupted myself with that. Uh, mm. I had another thought, and I forgot what it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess I guess the takeaway here is you, we're all basically fishing, and we got to be patient. Yeah. And then the yeah. bigger your channel grows, the more experience you get. And the more you can always come talk to, you. to any. Yeah. yeah, and you can always talk to any one of us. And then another another really important thing, and you guys tell me if your experience has been different. Agent, anybody, I mean, Bob, your, your agent seems to be like a magician, but if you have an agent or, or an MCN or whatever those things are called, they very rarely do the hard work for you. You, you got to do it yourself. They're not going to yeah. go like, you know, if you sign on with somebody and they say, oh, we're going to bring you advertising, they will bring you absolutely unequivocally zero <laughs> because you've signed up with them and now they just have to sit back and wait for the big fish well, to come to your boat because your boat is the one that's on camera. No one knows about their boat because they're sitting back behind the office waiting to take money from your fishing bucket. They want to take some of your crabs. I think that what a weird analogy. I think, um, I, I think in general, maybe that's the that's a, a decent way to wrap it up. Maybe I have a unicorn of a um, agent, but he is really on my side and he is out. And I think agents in general, they should theoretically be this way because they make a percentage of what they get for you. And so if they don't bring things to you, they don't get paid. Granted, if they don't bring things to you, they're actually not doing any work either. So maybe they don't need to get paid. But in my case, you know, he gets a percentage of whatever he brings. So that makes it worth his while to actually do work and stuff. Now the MCNs, like you pointed out, are not the same thing. Theoretically, they should be doing the same type of going and They, out they and sell themselves as the same thing. They seem like, and that exactly. being said, they yeah. seem like they're dissolving lately. They don't seem to be as much of a force because everyone really knows the 
yeah. the scam. Yeah, I think the MCN model is breaking down. But it, it, a lot of people still, I see online, are asking, like, I got contacted by this MCN, and they're promising, promising to bring this or to do this or whatever. And I only know a couple of people who have had any good success with an MCN in that particular, uh, you know, for them actually delivering that particular stuff. They do have a purpose sometimes in um, fighting copyright uh, strikes if or like I know a mu- musician and the big reason he's with an MCN is so that when he makes a cover song they handle the legal end of getting it like qualified or whatever for YouTube and so there's value in that um, but I think oftentimes the MCNs don't actually bring in any advertising dollars to you except here's a thing that a lot of people don't know to ask for there's a thing called a minimum guarantee that when you go to a, an MCN or w- more likely when an MCN comes to you and says, hey, here's the deal. We want to take you know 20% of your AdSense money and we're going to bring you premium ads or we're going to do this, whatever. Your response should be, what's my minimum guarantee going to be? Meaning you guarantee to bring me X number of dollars in advertising and sponsorship every year. And if you don't, you have to pay me that amount of money. Yep. And so if you can... If you can build any of that into your contract and make sure that whatever they promise to bring you is worth what they're going to be getting back in their in your AdSense dollars, that might make it worthwhile. But I think most people don't even know that that's an option. You can always negotiate. You can always say what you want when these MCNs come to you. We're really off topic. We're talking about yeah. sponsorship. <laughs> <clears throat> but then also ask them to ask them say, oh, if, if you say you could do this, who have you done it for? And show me some specific examples and. Yeah. Who might be the first advertisement person you bring to me? Because they usually align. And one of the weird things about MCN, since we're talking about it, is that they um, generally represent as many people as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So They want um, that money. They want those crabs, <clears throat> all those crabs. All the crabs. But they they want numbers. They want to say, we represent, you know, a thousand creators or whatever. And when you sign up with them... Imagine that you are going in, okay, here's a, an example. Imagine, and this is not the case, I'm just using this as an example because he was on my mind. The king of random, Grant Thompson, uh, we know each other, and imagine that he was on an MCN, and then that same MCN came to me and said, hey, will you uh, join our, our thing and we'll bring you advertising? Sure, okay, so we both sign up. When they get an advertiser... Are they going to go to the guy with eight and a half million subscribers or the guy with 1.4 million subscribers? They're going to go to him. And that's going to happen anytime that you are, uh, you know, you have a channel on the same MCN that has a similar category and a larger audience than you have. Hmm. You will always be second string. You will always be the one that the fallback and you're not going to get those big dollars. So those promises are like, you know, I don't know. They're theoretical, but depending on who else is under the umbrella of the MCN is like how much you're actually going to be getting fulfillment on the promises that they make you. It's a big, weird, convoluted thing, and you should stay away from them. (laughs) (laughs) That's my advice. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we got way off topic. We're like at an hour, seven minutes. Um, we're just Before we talk about what we're what we're watching, let me thank our Patreon supporters because they make it so that we don't have to carry about uh, sponsorship on this podcast, and that's awesome. Yes. 
So big thanks to everybody over there. Uh, and there's a huge list and a growing list all the time. We're really grateful for all of the levels that people support us at, but especially the top supporters. Make, Build, Modify, Freeman Furnishings, Torbal Terry, Works by Solo, Malton Make, Corey Ward, Evan and Caitlin, and Wise Old Dow. You guys are awesome. All of you are awesome. We're very grateful. Um, what was your... You, you already said your pick. David, go over it again. Yeah, what was my, it? So my pick is Sean Duras. It's his speech at Vid Summit, which um, Vid Summit is a, it's a video conference for creators and... After watching three different speeches from this event, I am definitely going to it next year. I think it's one of the more expensive ones. But Sean mm. Duras's speech is about using brands in your video, making them the hero of the video so people have no reason to complain about the sponsored video. It's it's really it's really good. Hmm. Cool. Check it out. Do you guys watch Kai W? Hmm. No. He's a, I think he's Chinese. I think he's in Hong Kong, but he has a British accent. He has an amazing voice, this guy. He does camera reviews. And from time to time, I Google camera. I just got the, the Sony RX0, a little tiny action. It's mm. not, they don't really call it an action camera, but it's a small, new, small Sony. So I've been doing some research and, and he didn't, he hasn't reviewed it yet, at least that I can see. But when he popped up, he was like, a, I was like, oh, this guy, I like this guy. And I watched some of his. So he does camera reviews. If anybody's interested or looking for any in-depth conversations about cameras, Kai W. He's from Hong Kong, but he has a British accent. And he's got an amazing voice. So if you just put it on hmm. and like kind of podcast his videos, he has an interesting audible. So check him out. Kai yeah. W. does really in-depth reviews on cameras. And he's got about a half a million subscribers. And he's, nice. he's becoming an authority. He's been so for a while. Awesome. Um, mine is a brand new podcast. Well, it's new to me. Sorry. Um, my friend Forby told me about it yesterday. I listened to the first episode. Uh, the first one I've listened to was this morning, and I really like it. I can't wait to listen to more. It's called Song Exploder. Have we talked about this before? I don't believe David, so. David, you'll like, you'll like this. Okay. So it's a guy, and I can't remember his name, but he has he picks a song, and then he has the artist who created that song on and the episode I listened to this morning was for the the guys that are scoring Stranger Things, which Stranger Things Season 2 is also out. You should go watch it because it's awesome. Um, but it's the two guys that scored that. And so the episode is about the theme song and how they wrote it. And so it's not just a person talking about music. It's a person talking about music that was created with the creators and how they did it. And that's what's really cool about it. So these guys talk about where the samples came from, what instruments they used, why they did things that they did. It's a lot of, like this one in particular is a lot of synthesizer. And so they're explaining, this is why we use this type of sound from this keyboard because it almost sounds percussive and this one opens a filter so it gives you this emotion. You know, it's it's not just a technical thing, it's also a why we wrote this song the way we wrote it. Hmm. And looking through the past episodes, it sounds really like there's a bunch that I'm interested in going back and listening to, which is cool. So, yeah, check out Song Exploder. Just subscribed. Also, pretty awesome. Bob, your your pick from uh, a couple weeks ago of the, the puppet. Uh, I forget the channel's name. Oh, the Oddlings. Yeah, yeah, the Oddlings. That's fun. I like it. Yeah. 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 They're, they're funny people. And uh, they do a really good job. Cool. You guys got anything else? Um, I bought, I'm going to talk about it in my, my vlog, but I bought two antique printing presses this week. 
I bought Ooh. two, one from 1930, one from like 1900. Incredible, interesting machines that I think I'm done buying printing presses now for the moment. I think I've got my full book. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> Too bad uh, Chandler and Price is not in business anymore because they could sponsor a couple of YouTube videos. <laughs> but I'm excited about my new printing presses. So Sweet. Excited. That's all I just wanted to say. I'm excited about something new. Well, you can, you can tell us more about it in the after show that we're going to do right after this. Ooh. Oh, cool. I'll tell you how um, I crushed my finger. Oh, yeah. You, that'd be a fun story to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, before we go, I want to say one more thing. Happy three-year anniversary to you guys because <gasps> this is the show that we Oh, be... yeah. Tomorrow's the anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Three years. Wow. What are you guys going to be for Halloween? Dad. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got as well. Nothing. I'm gonna You're going to be a dad? I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad, yeah. Tomorrow, I'm Congratulations. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going right. to put I, on I, a tool I, belt and be Kyle's helper. I, I do want to say that, uh, sadly, we we had to put our cat to sleep, the one that would come in here and yell Aww. at me during during the podcast. Yeah, Sydney. Sydney Aww. was 20-plus years old. He's a good dude. He liked to complain a lot, and I, mm. I loved it. I loved it when he would interrupt me to yell at me so miss you buddy Mm. sorry about that man thanks that's rough well uh if you're still around from patreon we'll see you in the after show otherwise we will see you next week love you guys thank you